Hello and welcome to another episode of What Sports. This is, of course, your host, Mike Jonesson, here with you. And today we are going to be talking about the Denver Nuggets, a little bit about the NBA and all, but mostly, primarily, Denver Nuggets basketball. The season has started. Your Nuggets are officially seven games into their season. And unfortunately, you're sitting at a record of three and four. Got off to not the best of starts. Starting off against Sacramento, losing in overtime, 124-122, to 122, a game that really could have been won, should have been won by your Denver Nuggets, and a game that really, Jokic carried the team, uh, 29 points, 14 assists, 15 rebounds, and we were in this game, sent to the overtime, and Jamal Murray hadn't really shown up yet this season. Uh, in that game, 9-1-4 was his stat line. Second leading scorer on the team was Michael Porter Jr. with 24 points. So a regular game out of Murray, and we probably come out of that with a W. Game 2 was against the Clippers, and a game that I probably would have expected the Nuggets to lose Uh, no matter how they had gone off to in uh, their first game of the season. Clearly a game that just meant more to Kawhi and to Paul George um, to get that proverbial monkey off their back after blowing a 3-1 lead to the Denver Nuggets, Um, albeit a regular season victory. I don't really feel like should make you... uh, feel all that much better about yourself for blowing a 3-1 lead when you were the heavy favorite in that series. Uh, Nikola Jokic actually came up one rebound short of a triple-double in that game. And then followed it up with a win against Houston. Felt a little good about ourselves. A 124-111 to beatdown of uh, James Harden and the Houston Rockets. Another triple-double for Jokic in that one, 19, 18, and 12. And Murray, another 20-point game, back-to-back 20-point games. He's, aside from the start against Sacramento, he's really been pretty consistent for the Nuggets this season. So we go in, we get that win against Houston, and then we have our first road test, or I'm sorry, our first... No, I was right. First road test of the season. Our second game of the season against Sacramento. And we lose this one as well. 115-125. to uh, Jokic, yet another triple-double in a losing effort. And things are looking kind of grim. Uh, bright point in this game, though. Double-double for MPJ, including 30 points put up. Uh, We were, though, without Murray in this game. Who knows? Maybe having Murray would have made all the difference. It's hard to say. But followed that up with another loss to Phoenix. The most disappointing thing about that was that Phoenix was on the second night of a back-to-back. Like we were against Sacramento in that second loss. And we weren't able to close out that game. Phoenix closed out that game stronger and looked like they had the they had the energy that the Nuggets just didn't have. Uh, the Nuggets outscored them 25 to 19 in the fourth quarter, but watching that game, it just it never seemed like Phoenix had hit a wall. Uh, never seemed like they had run out of the energy like the Nuggets did against Sacramento in that second game. Uh, but this was yet another game that Jokic came up one rebound short of a triple-double. And Murray went off for 31 points. Now, for those of you keeping track, the Nuggets are 1-4 and four with Jokic posting three triple-doubles and two games in which he is one rebound short. Cue up a couple of games against Minnesota to get ourselves right. First of which was on this past Sunday against 
the Timberwolves. And the Nuggets came out with a 124-109 win, a convincing win, and really controlled that game from opening tip to closing whistle. And Jokic put up another triple-double, 19-12-12. And Murray went off for his second 30-point game in a row, putting up 36 points in this one. And then, just last Tuesday, just a couple days ago, against Minnesota, another win. Our Nuggets have themselves a little bit of a winning streak here, winning back-to-back games, albeit against the um, not-so-great Minnesota Timberwolves. But Jokic story in this one goes off for 35 points, uh, 15 rebounds, 6 assists. So not all that close to getting a triple-double in this one. So although the Nuggets as a team have not gone off to the best to start, sitting at 3-4 and four right now, Jokic himself has gone off to a phenomenal start, averaging a triple-double, 24 uh, 12 and 12, basically, along with 1.4 steals a game. Uh, he posted his career high in assists in a game, tying a Nuggets franchise high. And quite frankly, I feel like Jokic is having an MVP season. Uh, him and Russell Westbrook right now are both averaging triple doubles on the season. Uh, I, of course, I'm a little biased. But I feel like Jokic is doing it in a more impressive manner. Uh, He is undoubtedly the best center in the league. I know Embiid stands out there are going to scream about defense and whatnot. And I will admit, Jokic is not the best defensively. Embiid is a better defensive player than Jokic. But he gets dogged on way too much for his defense. And I think a lot of the reason that that happens is because he doesn't defend... His defensive strengths are not what you typically see from a guy his size. You don't see what his strengths are defensively, typically from a 7-footer. He defends more like a guard, and his impact is more like a guard defensively. Um, And that's because of his court vision. That's part of why he leads the NBA in assists per game is because of his court vision. He sees the court better than possibly anybody else in the NBA. If if not, he's at least top three. And he uses that to anticipate passing lanes defensively as well. That's why he has uh, almost one and a half steals per game. And that doesn't factor in other ways he, he... forces a defense or an offense to adjust to him putting himself within the passing lanes that they want to exploit. So I, I definitely feel like Jokic is undervalued defensively just because he doesn't put up those those blocks that Embiid does. Just because he doesn't impact the game in the flashy way that you generally expect uh, a Def- the defensive presence of a seven-footer to bring. Now, Jokic averaging 24, 12, and 12 is fantastic. Uh, 24, obviously, is leading the Nuggets. 12 and tw- 11.7 and 11.9, both leading the Nuggets. Uh, Jamal Murray, actually, despite his... You know, bad first game of the season, only putting up nine points, is actually averaging 22.2 points per game on the season. A respectable start for him. And what's possibly even more interesting to me is looking at the start that Michael Boyer Jr. has had, averaging 19.5 points uh, on the season, but also looking at his defensive stats. He is averaging one steal and one and a half blocks per game on the season. Now, he's not always in the right position. I, I He still has a long ways to go as far as the mental side of defense goes. And, and that's quite obvious. But his pure athleticism and his effort on the defense makes up for a decent, a decent portion of his mental lapses. I mean... 
he's getting one and a half blocks and, and a steal per game because of the effort he puts forth. When he screws up, he wants to make up for that. He, he wants to cover up his mistakes with outstanding effort on the defensive side of the court. And I think you begin to see that translate. Now, he has missed the past three games because of uh, contact tracing, COVID. His first game back should be tonight against the Mavericks. And that is very exciting now, talking a little bit more offensively, um, there are a few players on the Nuggets that have just been out, haven't had an outstanding start from beyond the arc. Uh, Jamichael Green missed the first few games of the season. He has played and really impacted and made that second unit look better. We'll talk about that a little bit more in just a minute. But right now, he's hitting 61% from beyond the arc. Now, he's not going to keep up that 61% mark, but career-wise, he is a 40%, he, he, he is a 40-plus percent three-point shooter. Uh, Paul Millsap, 47.8 on the season. And you've seen over the past few years that his three-point shooting has been a huge point of emphasis for Paul Millsap. So, Paul Millsap, since joining the Denver Nuggets, his three-point percentage in his first year with the Nuggets was 34.5%. Second year, 36.5%. Last season, 43.5%. So, maybe he's not going to stay at that 48% range, but it is very reasonable that he's not going to have that much far, that far of a drop-off. Maybe down to the 44 43%. But still, he has developed into a very consistent three-point shooter. And arguably, outside of maybe Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr., the guy who, when he gets the ball, you feel most confident that he's going to sink that shot. Uh, mentioned Jamichael Green. Career-wise, 38% from Yon Yark. But he's another guy that you look back uh, the 2018-19 season, he was about 40% from beyond the arc. Uh, he was, yeah, 40.3. Last year with the Clippers, 38.7. So he is another guy who you can probably reasonably expect to be in that 40% range from beyond the arc. And we are talking about a guy who you're... I look at Millsap and Jamichael Green in similar manners. Their primary purpose and their primary agenda when they're on the court, to me at least, is defensive presence. Uh, whether that's inside, outside, Jamichael Green is kind of that's the second unit Paul Millsap, if you will. Uh, they're both the veteran presence, and they're both the undersized big men who give great effort defensively and are always going to be in the right spot. Uh, you're not going to get a lot of mental lapses from Jermichael Green or Paul Millsap defensively or offensively. They will be in the spot that they're supposed to be for that kickout pass to hit that three that they're both hitting at incredible rates so far on this young season. Now, uh, Nikola Jokic is obviously, he, he's leading the league in assists per game. He is currently 18th in points per game and tied for 5th in rebounds game. Ironically, tied with Joel Embiid with, re, with uh, rebounds per game. And actually, the points per game leader right now is Bradley Beal, uh, who got a huge boost from a 60-point game uh, last night, actually. And... Uh, Steph Curry, second in the NBA in points per game. He put up a 62-point game earlier earlier in the season, just less than a week ago now. Uh, so those averages hella bu buoyed by 60-point games. And we already have two this season. It'll be interesting to see how many more we get. Uh, I'm sure... Beal was a little disappointed that he was not a he was able to get so close 
to the season high and yet not quite reach it. I mentioned earlier that Jokic and Westbrook are both averaging triple doubles on the season. But interesting enough, across the board, Jokic is actually uh, beating out Westbrook. He's averaging more points per game, more assists per game, and of course more rebounds per game. Um, The only thing that Westbrook is slightly ahead of Jokic on is steals per game, averaging 1.5 as opposed to Jokic's 1.4. Uh, free throw percentage, Jokic is ahead. Three-point percentage, Jokic is ahead. Overall field goal percentage, Jokic is ahead. So, undoubtedly, efficiency, Jokic is just crushing Westbrook. So, all these numbers are sounding really nice. Uh, but the thing is about these numbers is the majority of them are offensive-based. And the problem with the Nuggets and why they have not gone off to the start that would have hoped is not the offense. The problem is problem is definitely not the offense. Uh, as far as points per game, Nuggets right now are fourth in the NBA. And that includes being second overall in field goal percentage. The problem is, is that they are 23rd in the league in points allowed per game, giving up 116 points per game, which is less than how many they're averaging per game, but still far, far too many. And when I look at this, they are damn near near at the bottom in just about every category. Field goal percentage, okay? Field goal percentage, they are 26th in the league. Three-point percentage, They are 23rd in the league. Steals. They are 22nd in the league in steals per game. And in blocks. They are 20th in blocks per game. And the... I... A lot of this, to me, comes down to the bench unit. The bench unit got off to an awful start... Uh, to the season. But as I mentioned, that was before Jermichael Green was playing. Uh, and that was due to that, they were playing a lot of four guard lineups. I do not, I'm not a fan of that. I've never been a fan of small ball. I don't, I don't like it. I know Houston did their thing, committed fully onto it, and you saw that that blew up in their face. In the playoffs. Small ball is not a consistent way to be able to play and win. Uh, And even with a roster that was completely overhauled to play small ball in Houston, you see a first round exit. I mean, got them enough wins in the regular season, but you're not, it doesn't take you to where you need to go. Uh, And... Part of the reason they were playing so much small ball is because Jermichael Green was out. And then the last couple games playing a Minnesota Timberwolves team that was down cat ended up playing a good amount of small ball because they're the Timberwolves didn't have a big to really need the counter playing out there. And you partner that with the fact that our guard play has not been great outside of Murray and Morris, who, by the way, is once again leading the NBA in assist-to-turnover ratio. Uh, You look at Gary Harris. I I love Gary Harris, but he has been awful uh, offensively and not necessarily all that great defensively so far this season. 37.7% field goal percentage. 12% from beyond the arc. Will Barton, who, for all his shortcomings, the thing that you used to be able to just count on Will Barton for was that offensive spark. This season right now, 38.5% and 30.8% from beyond the arc. Uh, Faku, although he's looked pretty decent offensively and has put up some good numbers offensively, 
He's been such a liability on the defensive end of the court. He's been limited in how Malone's been able to use him. Uh, P.J. Dozier right now is possibly your best shooter out of your guards uh, outside of Murray and Morris. And that's not necessarily some that you have Dozier on the on the court for. That's that's not what he's known for. Uh, shooting thirty six point four percent from beyond the arc, not a great number. But you compare that to with with what Barton with what Harris has been doing, it looks pretty good. Uh, and probably the biggest drawback drawback to Dozier this season is the fact that he's played so much. Four. He's been the power forward on the court for I don't know how many minutes, but far, far too many. And that goes back to being forced to play the small ball when you're missing Jamaica and, and then you were missing MPJ. Now, there, there's not a quick fix for this. Now, uh, tonight, we should have our entire core, everybody who was expected to be a rotational player, on the on the court tonight, so it'll be interesting to see how that disperses the minutes and what kind of lineups we actually end up seeing out there. Uh, going up against the Dallas Mavericks, obviously they have big bodies. Uh, they're not going to be, I they're not going to have Porzingis, but that doesn't mean they don't have uh, Boban. They don't have Collie Stein. Uh, they have Powell there. there. There's plenty of bigs there that you'll I think after a two game absence you're definitely going to see Hartenstein tonight uh, and especially seeing what the minutes are going to be like for the bench unit is going to be extremely interesting uh, and that is partially because right now both Jokic and Murray are averaging over 35 minutes a game we are seven games into the season. Jokic and Murray should not be averaging this much time on the court. Uh, it is a shortened season this year, but it's still a 72-game season. And we need those guys for the playoff push, for the, for the deep run, hopefully, in the playoffs. So trying to burn them out, getting these early season minutes is troublesome to me. Now, if you've listened to uh, my show in the past, you would know that I am a big Bol Bol fan um, as far as his potential, and I would love to see him get minutes because I feel like, a lot like MPJ, uh, although Bol Bol admittedly is m a lot more raw than MPJ was as a rookie because technically Bol Bol still is a rookie. But I'd, I'd still like to see him get minutes because the best way to learn and the best way to figure out how to play in the NBA is by playing in the NBA. Um, and I, I made the same argument last season with Porter that although he was clearly not fully ready early on in the season... I feel like the Nuggets would have been in a better place come playoff time if Jokic had been getting more consistent minutes throughout the regular season and was able to find a rhythm with his teammates out there on the court and we really figured out what that dynamic was going to be, the three-headed monster, if you will, between Jokic, Murray, MPJ. And now we're seeing the same sort of thing to Momo but to a greater extent. Now, the time he has gone out on the court has not looked good. He hasn't made a single shot when he's been out there. Um, so it's it's not looked good, but the potential is so immense there that I'd still like to see him get minutes, uh, especially in games, you know, in games where we need to be a little bigger because... He's not thick. I mean, he is he's a string bean. But he's still 7 foot 2 out there and that adds some needed length out there on the court. 
Uh, and it really surprised me that Malone did not go to that a little bit more, especially considering how small the players that he was playing out there were and how that was being taken advantage of uh, defensively. I mean, we are near the bottom. Let me let me see here what the actual, as far as team stats for rebounding, we are 27th in the NBA, averaging only 41.7 rebounds per game. And again, that goes to how small we've been playing, and that could have that could have been at least helped by playing Bol Bol a little bit more. It, and I think it was a missed opportunity there with Jermichael Green missing the first handful of games. Uh, it seemed like a great chance to get Bol Bol out there and integrate him a little bit more into this rotation. Now, I put a tweet out there um, during the preseason that everybody on the Nuggets roster can play. And I still think that. Like, Marcus Howard can shoot the lights out. Now, I went, I'm not going to sit here and make a case for him to play, necessarily. But you look at that. You look at the rookies, Zeke Naji, RJ Hampton. Those guys showed immense potential in the preseason. A bowl bowl. An immense potential. Possibly one of the highest on the team. But one of the drawbacks of so many talented players that deserve playing time is there's not enough minutes to go around. You're not going to go, you know, 12, 13 deep in your rotation. It's hard enough to try to do a 10 deep rotation and you're not going to be doing a 10 deep rotation once we get to the playoffs. With both MPJ and Jamichael Green being back at the same time tonight and the Nuggets being at full strength tonight against the Mavericks, it who is the odd man out is another thing that I'll be looking for in this game. Because that means that there are 11 guys who have been getting consistent minutes when healthy. Jokic, Murray, Gary Harris, MPJ, Will Barton, Monte Morris, Paul Millsap, Jamichael Green, PJ Dozier, Faku, and... Isaiah Hardenstein. Is Hardenstein still going to be on the outside looking in against a bigger Mavericks team? I don't think so. But then that means who do you pull out? I mean, I talked about before, Gary Harris, Will Barton have not been good offensively. They And they've been okay defensively, not great defensively. Which is, especially in Gary Harris's um, position, what you expect from him to make up for his shortcomings offensively lately. So do you do you bench one of them? I I don't think Malone would do that. Is it PJ Dozier? I just got him telling you that shooting wise from the from the backup uh, guard positions. He's actually been the most consistent so far in the season. Uh, Faku, is he the odd guy out? He is a he was an international star with Argentina. Uh, obviously, a guy that Malone really likes. But going into this game tonight, unless Malone is like, "Hey, I want to do an eleven-person rotation out there," which I doubt. I think Faku is going to end up being the odd man, the odd man out, and that is that. That's disappointing. Faku is a lot of fun to watch out there on the court. Uh, just the energy he brings and the intensity. Not to mention, it's always kind of fun to root for that small guy. Uh, Faku listed at five eleven. Uh, a lot of people talk about you know that's being generous, but it's always fun to root for the small guy. Uh, when I'm watching basketball. Now it's, it's a long season. Shorter season this season. Than in the past. But still. It's it's a long ride. So we probably need. These depth guys eventually. 
But the easiest way to fix a cluster, <laughs> uh, too many mounts to feed, if you will, would be to do a trade. Um, try to upgrade in an individual by giving out more depth to a team. Uh, and there's really no clear candidate for that right now. Uh, a couple of names that I was looking at. Uh, Evan Fournier, one-time nugget, would be interesting to get him back in the fold. But right now the Magic are only have one loss on the season, so they're feeling really good about themselves. See how the rest of the season plays out. I would not be surprised if the Magic come back a bit to the to their average <laughs> and is more of that borderline 6, 7, 8, maybe even out of the playoff type of team. And then think about uh, moving on from a Fournier, who is in the last year of his contract. One of the reasons that I like him as a potential move for the Denver Nuggets. Last year of his contract is not going to mess up trying to re-sign players uh, going forward. It's, it's not going to affect our cap space down the road. Uh, in a perfect world, obviously, because um, I know Fournier is not a real needle mover. He's not somebody It's like, oh my, you brought in Fournier. That is just going to completely change how people think of the Denver Nuggets. But there's not a lot of players that are could do that for them. I mean, because looking at cap-wise, uh, especially I, I'm not, I don't think the Nuggets will be looking to bring in somebody who is a large cap hit for the next three years. Um, obviously, I would love to bring in a Jalen Brown. In a perfect world, that would be my ideal guy to bring in. Uh Somebody who can is good, who is a plus defender, and who is position versatile from playing the two or the three. Because having somebody who can slide into that three, especially when we cut down the rotation, would be wonderful. Because, uh, you know, you sticking with Jalen Brown, just because he's the example I just brought up, uh, going down to a smaller shooting lineup where you bring in Monte Morris, slides Murray to the two, Jalen Brown to the three, MPJ to the four with Jokic would be awesome. You know, a, a, a smaller lineup and a shooting lineup. But Jalen Brown is just not... <laughs> that'd be, that's fantasy land. Another name that is of interest to me... Um, would be from the Grizzlies, Dylan Brooks. He just signed a three-year deal, though, so I'm not sure how realistic that would be. It's a it's a reasonable three-year deal, uh, about uh, 11 to 12 mil per season. But he's another guy who's that who's kind of a swing guy, two three. Who can, who is a plus defender? He's not he's not on the level of a Jalen Brown, but. I mean, you're talking about a significant uh, price tag reduction when you're going after a Dylan Brooks. But he is young enough, and with that young core they have in Memphis, uh, Moran is hurt right now, but it's not a season hurt, if you will, uh, with JJJ there. Uh, I, I don't necessarily see the... Grizzly moving on from Brooks. Road. All that is just it's it's down the road. Um, it's early to be talking trades, but it was just something I had thought I was looking at and I was thinking about because there is kind of there there's a lack of we need defensive help. I guess is the bottom line there. We, we need some defensive help. We need some defensive consistency, most of all. And some way to kind of end some clarity with the second unit. 
uh, and doing a two-for-one kind of trade, if you will. Um, obviously, the the biggest pieces available to move uh, when you're talking about being able to package salary would be Will Barton and Gary Harris. But that that's that's down the road. That's not going to happen anytime soon. And looking at what might be out there, I kind of doubt it would happen for the Nuggets in general. Uh, moving on, though, they do have a game tonight against the Dallas Mavericks. Now, obviously, Luka, he is the main dude with... Uh, with the Mavs, averaging 25.8 points per game, 9 rebounds, and 7.2 points. Um, without Porzingis, the Mavs are not quite as dynamic. Because they're missing that, that number 2. Uh, and they're quite honestly missing a big part of their inside offense. And Donkage is off to... I guess you would say he's off to a slow start offensively, uh, in particular in his per- shooting percentages. He's only at 19.5% from beyond the arc on the season and 44% field goal overall. And that is not what you'd really expect from a Donkage, and hopefully not enough to really get them over the hump trying to play the Denver Nuggets here tonight. The second fiddle right now on that team is Tim Hardaway Jr. Uh, not a bad second guy. Not a not a number two for a true like playoff, deep playoff contending type of team. But that's not what his role is meant to be. Porzingis should be back at some point this season. But Hardaway Jr. averaging 17 points on the season. Uh, big drop off from Donkic, but... Respectable. As a whole, though, uh, Mavericks not looking great on the season, only averaging 107.7 points per game and actually averaging the second fewest assists at 21.6. Also the worst blocks per game. Um, But again, depending on how Malone rolls out uh, the rotation, could see that not be as big of a factor against a smaller Nuggets rotation. Again, we'll have to see how that plays out tonight. But what's more, what really stands out to me is their three-point percentage. 32.2%. That, that is not good. It is the second worst in the NBA, and you couple that with the fact that they are averaging the sixth most three-point attempts per per game at 38.6, and that's just not a great combo. But are the Nuggets the cure for that, who are giving up the 23rd uh, worst three-point percentage at 39.4% on the season? Uh, I mean, like I talked about, Overall, the Nuggets have not been great defensively, but in particular, there's been spurts where the Nuggets have just looked awful at defending the perimeter. A little bit slow on rotations, and sometimes it just seems like the other team is having a having you know their best night of the season shooting threes happens to come against the Denver Nuggets. But interestingly enough, the Mavericks actually have the fourth best uh, opponent three-point percentage at 32.5%. The other uh, team stat that kind of jumps out to me is free throws per game. Right now, the Nuggets are fourth in the NBA in free throws per game, and the Mavericks are giving or have the fifth most free throws against them per game. So an interesting stat to look at there, uh, the Mavs fouling a lot and the Nuggets getting fouled a lot. You partner that with, with unfortunately, uh, the 25th best free throw percentage for the Denver Nuggets at just 
and the effect that has on the game is kind of marginalized. Overall, especially with no Porzingis, this game, I think, comes down to Donkage. Can you stop Donkage? If you can limit what Luka's effect is on the game offensively, you have a real good shot as the Denver Nuggets to win this game. And you, even if you don't, uh, there's the pieces here with the Nuggets to outduel the Mavs. Uh, that... Interestingly enough, actually, the Mavs are tied for fifth as far as points allowed per game at 105.1. Right now, they have the lineup for this game for tonight, and they have Denver minus three. Uh, I would, I'm going to say Denver wins and Denver covers. I just don't know if they have the offensive firepower to keep up with the Nuggets without Porzingis. Next up... Coming on Saturday, the Denver Nuggets are going to be taking on the Philadelphia 76ers, a matchup of probably the two best centers in the NBA, uh, Joel Embiid and the, of course, Nikola Jokic. Uh, Embiid pacing his team in points, rebounds, and blocks, 25, 12, and 2, uh, respectively. And Ben Simmons, of course, uh, pacing his team in assists. And going with that, a um, bad shooting performance, honestly. Uh, About 60% from the free throw line. He is technically 100% from beyond the arc, but I think that's because he's only attempted one so far this season. And really just averaging... 13, 14 points per game on the season. Not what you really would expect from your, arguably the face of your franchise, if not the the 1B face of your franchise. But that that isn't that isn't been Simmons' game. He is a passer and he is a defensive guy. So try I try not to judge him too harshly on that. Seth Curry though. So far has shown up big, a uh, big acquisition for the 76ers, averaging 30 minutes, point ga- 30 minutes per game, putting up 17 points, and that is including rough, uh, 59.5% from beyond the arc for Seth Curry. Maybe he's the uh, better shooting of the Curry brothers from beyond the arc this season. We will see. Overall, this is the game of the... Uh, through the weekend that gives me the most concern. And that's because the Sixers play so big. I mean their point guard who legitly plays point guard is six foot ten. You have seven foot Embiid out there. I mean they pace the NBA in blocks per game at seven point one. And again, largely depending on how the rotation works out for the Nuggets you're going to be, that number could go up against a smaller lineup from the Denver Nuggets. They average about 114.8 points per game and are giving up 106 points per game. Uh, it'll be an awesome matchup to watch in the post. Um, just that the head-to-head matchup between Embiid and Jokic Jokic has been getting the better of Embiid in more recent matchups, and I think that's some you kind of see in a lot of his a lot of his matchups because of the how smart Jokic is, even against uh, Gobert. Uh, you look at the series against Utah last year, uh, in, or yeah, last year, even with. Um, obviously, the contributions of Murray. Murray was the MVP of that series. If you just watch the individual matchup between Gobert and Jokic, as the series went on, Jokic learned how to play Gobert and how to be efficient against him. Uh, and you're talking about the best post defender in the NBA. Gobert is, is better than Embiid. Defensively, especially inside. Uh, and eventually you saw Jokic figure out how to play against him. 
Now, he did not put up gaudy numbers against them, but you saw him learn how to be efficient. And the more Jokic sees anybody, and this goes for Embiid, the better he plays against them. Because 99 out of 100 times, Jokic is going to be the, the smarter in that matchup. And... Last season in head-to-head matchups, the series overall was split between the two. Uh, If you look at their first matchup in November of uh, 2019, uh, Embiid, 15 rebounds, 2 assists, and 19 points. Jokic in that game, 10 rebounds, 6 assists, and 26 points. Head-to-head, you got to give the advantage to Jokic in that game. Their second matchup last season came in December, and Embiid put up a 10-rebound, 6-assist, and 22-point stat line. Bumped up the assist, probably a little jealous of Jokic. Wanted to prove that he can do it too, which he can, just not nearly as good as Jokic can. And in and Jokic in that game, which was a loss for Denver, uh, seven rebounds, eleven assists, and fifteen points. So you look at those stat lines. You might, you could probably give the advantage to Embiid in that one. Head to head, these matchups have been pretty good over the last few years, but I still give the advantage overall to Jokic. Uh, we'll definitely need Murray to show up and for Murray to be a, not quite a bubble Murray, but a definitely a strong contributor. And hopefully there's no rust or problem in implementing MPJ into the rotation tonight and get him going next, uh, on Saturday against Philadelphia. And then to finish up the back-to-back, the Nuggets take on the Knicks, who are a surprising team at 5-3 on the season. Uh, Played them Sunday, and it's going to be a game that... Coming into the season, I would have said, Nuggets, no doubt, easy game. You look at how the Knicks have been performing so far this season, and I... I'm not going to go as far to say as this is a, you know, that this is a given win. I do think to an extent the Knicks are outperforming themselves. Um, right now they're being paced in points by Julius Randle at 23.1. Alec Burks also averaging 20 points a game on the season. Uh, Randle, Randle's trying to pull a uh, Jokic here. He paces the team in points, rebounds, and assists, averaging 12 rebounds per game and 7.4 assists per game. Uh, Mitchell Robinson, their young center, has been a defensive dynamo for them. 1.6 steals per game and 1.9 blocks per game. This is a very young team, and if maybe these players have figured out how to play and how to play together, and if that's true... The Knicks could be a dang, not not a championship dangerous team, but could be a team that takes that eight seed and kicks a uh, Orlando out, who has been a fringe playoff team the last few years, and maybe the Knicks are finally in a position to take that last spot and still probably get um, swept or maybe one game against the Bucks or the Celtics, whoever ends up taking that one seed. But you go down the line, R.J. Barrett entering his second year, averaging 17 points a game to go with seven rebounds and three assists. Their rookie, Toppin, uh, averaging nine points a game on the young season. Uh, But R.J. Barrett has not been efficient. Yes, he's averaging 17 points a game. But his splits here, 
uh, 38.8 from the field, 21.6 from beyond the arc, and only 74% from the free throw line. Uh, yeah, 17 points a game is nice, but if you are inefficient doing it, it's counterproductive. Uh, where they've won their games have been on the defensive end of things, and interestingly enough, they're actually almost averaging the exact same as far as points for and points allowed per game on the season at 104.4 points allowed per game and 104.4 points scored. So a point one differential actually in the negative, and yet they're sitting here with a 5-3 and three record, surprisingly enough. And it is because of that... It's because of that that I still feel really confident against the Nuggets going into this game. It's just, with all these young pieces, there is the potential to surprise, as evident of their 5-3 and three starts of the season. Well, that's actually going to be it for us today. I appreciate you all listening in, tuning in. Uh, as you can tell, I've tried to mess with the format a little bit, add in a little music, Feel free to come. In general, I would love to hear feedback, comment, let me know pros, cons, what I can work on. I'd love the feedback. Uh, And more specifically about this music, I'm trying to add, make it sound just a little, little bit better. I think it sounds better this way. Like I said, comment back, let me know. Love the feedback. Uh, right now, you can still follow me on Twitter at AKCoachJones. Uh, give me a follow there. And don't forget to follow the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to. You can recommend it to your friends. I'd appreciate that. Uh, but give it a like. Give it a comment. All that good stuff helps me out. And I'd appreciate it. But for today, you've been listening to What Sports with your host, Mike Jones. Talk to y'all next time.